Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, unlocking the power of Thinkorswim, the award-winning trading platforms loaded with features that let you dive deeper into the market. Visualize your trades in a new light on Thinkorswim Desktop with robust charting and analysis tools, all while you uncover new opportunities with up-to-the-minute market news and insights. Thinkorswim is available on desktop, web, and mobile to meet you where you are. It's built by the trading obsessed to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com slash trading. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are rallying. New records for the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P 500 Index. The S&P 500 Index up 11 to 21.75, a gain of five-tenths of one percent. Optimism about earnings helping lift stocks today. We've got the Dow Industrials up 62 points to 18,620, a gain of three-tenths of 1%. NASDAQ up 60, a gain there of 1.2%. Tenure down 8.30 seconds yield 1.58%. Gold falling 14.50 the ounce to 13.17, a drop there of 1.1%. Crude oil back below $45 a barrel, 44.90 right now on West Texas Intermediate. It is uh, up 26 cents, up by 6 cents of 1%. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Bloomberg taking stock, the Fed in focus. Interest rates are too low for where the economy is going. The question is how much higher should they be? The Fed has increased its assets, yes, and in doing so, it has increased its liabilities. Keeping interest rates at zero for a long time is not going to cause inflation to go up. It's very controversial. I think what we need to do is find a way for the Fed to integrate its policy and think more about its impact on the world. The Fed in focus. On Bloomberg Radio. Godzilla. Godzilla versus Gigan. Godzilla versus Destroyoya. Stephen Guilfoyle, chief market economist of Stuart Frankel, joins us now. He can be followed on Twitter at Sarge986. Stephen Guilfoyle, I started off with a little Godzilla, courtesy of your most recent note. I thought you were going to tell me that the central banks around the world were Godzilla and those other large characters fighting it out and that they would leave the world with a trail of destruction. Tell us a little bit more. Oh, I think that that's certainly the case. You're, you're probably going to see that. My Godzilla reference this morning that, oh, it's, was having to do with this Pokemon app. Correct, been delayed yeah. In Japan. But, uh, but yes, I think, I think we'll stay with Japan. The Bank of Japan with their, uh, 
with that program we're expecting them to go forward with next week, which really amounts to either perpetual bonds or helicopter money, however you want to explain it, is uh, along with earnings, part of this goose move we're seeing in the markets here with the uh, record highs for the S&P 500 and for the Dow for several days running now. As Japan continues its stimulus program, a lot of that money is supposedly earmarked for infrastructure projects. Those are projects that won't necessarily show up on any balance sheet or in any budget item. What's that going to do to the the country's uh, debt balance? Well, you see, when they spend fiscally... What they're going to do, I mean, even if they're spending it on infrastructure, it's going to go towards things like, like supplies, it's going to go towards, uh, towards salaries, things like that. The money will be in the general economy. A lot of it will be. They're going to erase it from the balance sheet of their central bank and from the liability side uh, of their treasury. So it's going to be strictly an increase in the monetary base with the money supply. So the idea here is that they can maybe wash away some of their debt by, by getting some inflation. And, you know, I don't think it's really a good idea. I don't, I'm not certainly on board with anything like this, but it seems to be the way that Ben Bernanke has led them. Is it a bad idea? Will it create unintended consequences that may be worse than the original problem? It may. I mean, we all know what happened in Germany in the 1920s. I'm not saying that's automatically going to happen. They've been trying to get inflation over there for decades now, and it hasn't worked. Uh, I, I myself come from the Austrian School of Economics, so I, I, I don't really like these extra wild attempts at, at goosing things when maybe you shouldn't. But they, but in Japan's case, their economy has been in a death spiral for some time, and they've tried almost everything else. So I do understand the desperation. All right, so the death spiral, that works with a Godzilla character. Tell us about the European Central Bank. Uh, what movie would they, uh, would they inhabit if indeed they were making a film or a documentary about the Mario Draghi and uh, the European Central Bank? I don't know if I can think of a movie for you, but, but they're going to, they're probably going to hold still tomorrow. I mean, they're trying pretty desperate measures themselves. We all know they've kept interest rates very low. They're buying everything from corporate bonds to government bonds to pretty much everything except goods and services. So they've been very aggressive themselves. I think they have to give it a little more time. It's their first meeting since the Brexit. Uh, we, I think it's plain to see for all right now that the Brexit's hurting Europe more than it's going to hurt the U.K., uh, and I think they're probably going to need another meeting or two to see what they need to do. I don't think they I think it would be imprudent of them to get more aggressive with their monetary policy at this time. I don't know whether you've been following the details of what's been going on by uh, at the European Union's top court, but they denied Italy's request that taxpayers, not bondholders, be on the hook to a bailout to the banking industry. What are your views on the Italian economy and the banking industry there? Well, they're going to they're going to have to allow Italy or maybe the the Eurozone itself to bail out the Italian banks. If not, uh, a lot of our premise here for the move higher, which I know I just blamed a few other things, but also part of the part of the move here higher was because that the worry that we saw a week or two ago over over Deutsche Bank's exposure and and the Italian banks themselves really it seemed to go away a little bit. It seemed to, to be, we seemed to be a little bit at ease over it because we had believed that the Italians would be able to monetize their banks, capitalize their banks if they needed to once those banks bled dry. If they don't let them do that, then it's going to be a different ballgame. Well, Lufthansa has just cut its forecast for earnings before interest and taxes uh, for 2016. A little bit more on uh, Europe. Is there anything that you believe that the European Central Bank can do without the support of the politicians to some way figure out how to get the economies and the banks in Europe to start growing again? 
You know, right now, they're basically paying the banks to lend, right? And is it working? Not really. You saw the zoo numbers out of Germany yesterday, the ZEW numbers. I mean, so, so things seem to be going the wrong way there. I'm, I am concerned over Europe, but I, my first concern is here in the U.S. And I, you know, if we can, it's going to hurt us in the long run if we're being the cleanest shirt and the dirty hamper analogy. But I mean, it's, it's going to hurt us in trade because our dollar is going to become too strong. It's all, what's the Dixie over 97 right now? Our yields are, are low enough already. We don't need them going any lower. And I think it's just it's going to hurt all of our multinationals in the long run. Not that valuations can't stretch because we all know that fundamentals aren't what they used to be, and stock valuations are no, they are not what they used to be either. I like that. Maybe we can use that as your quote of the day. Fundamentals <laughs> aren't what they used to be. Thank well, you. maybe maybe they are what they used to be, but uh, how we. Uh, how we attach ourselves to them is the, the interpretation isn't what it, what it used to be. <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks very much, uh, Stephen Sarge Guilfoyle. He is the chief market economist for Stuart Frankel. He's joining us from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. He can be followed on Twitter at Sarge986. You're listening to Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox, and this is Bloomberg. Coming up on Taking Stock, what are the expectations for the next FOMC meeting next week? We'll find out more details when we speak to Marvin Lowe of BNY Mellon. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams-Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast, In Trust, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.